Hello, welcome to Time to Say Goodbye. Uh, Tammy, where are you this week? <laughs> hey guys, I'm in Budapest. It's my first time here. I'm continuing my Eastern European journey. It's very, it's very fun. You're like Carmen Sandiego. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> Is that a reference that people still understand? No. Know? I think, I so. think so, right? We were you children. I think so. people are watching that. No, but I think it's a franchise that keeps going. <clears throat> oh, really? Is it? You can kids can play some new version of like iPad. Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? It was also um, a cartoon, right? Yeah, yeah and it was like a. That. It had that very catchy acapella. Yeah. Soundtrack like oh, where right, yeah. in the world <laughs> is Carmen San Diego? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I admit, I don't know. Here's the thing, though. Here's one thing that we can be sure of. If Carmen Sandiego has been sort of lost to the hinterlands of content, that somebody is going to buy the IP and relaunch it in like a big right. way with right. a live action movie <clears throat> starring, like, who would be like the perfect Carmen Scarlett Sandiego? Scarlett Johansson. Like, that's almost. Eh. It's a brunette, and you don't see her eyes. I just right? think that's who I would get cast. I feel like it's like Selena in. Gomez would be like a good. <laughs> oh, it's Carmen San Diego. Yeah, like I would think I that like Carmen San Diego is a little older. Is she like? Is she? Latina, is she Latina? Right. Latinx. Yeah. Latinx. <laughs> is she? San no, Diego, she's probably I mean, like Spanish. Oh, so she's. She's like the kind that universities this, get credit for, but it's not real. <laughs> yeah, she's a Caucasian <laughs> Latina. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like. <laughs> or she's like uh you know she's like she's like making it ambiguous on purpose even though she's white you know? <laughs> she's gonna get called out she's, at some point. she's like alec, alec what's his face his wife yeah she's here like she a... is spending millions of dollars on travel you know right. and she's Hilaria like, Baldwin. Listen, she's like an know, irish girl from kansas mm-hmm. who calls yeah, herself or her San like, Diego. or her like uh or her grandparents like you know was were like they they were supplying arms, you know, <laughs> during the Spanish Civil War or something. Like that. Oh god! Oh my god! Yeah, that show. I don't really remember anything about it. I guess it's all been replaced by GeoGuessr. You know, like that whole thing. You know What's what GeoGuessr that? is? It's no. like this game on you play where they give you like random photos from Google Maps from around the world, and you have to guess where it is by hmm. pointing at a map. And people kids have play gotten, this? Huh? Kids play this? Or Everyone play this? plays this. Oh. People have gotten so good at it where they can like look at us. I mean, look, there are obvious things like you can figure out what the street signs are and stuff. But people can like figure out how long a hash mark is on a road. And they like know what country it's in. You know, they're like, that's obviously wow. Albania. <laughs> that's an Albanian hash mark. And the people who they, they compete and they show like the speeds on tiktok it's pretty impressive you know i don't know hmm. i so always like videos yeah when i do it i always just go full racist and i you know um well not racist but you know i like rely on cultural stereotypes <laughs> not because of the people who are there but you know i'm just like oh that house looks like it's in x country but i don't actually have an informed right idea of what the houses look like I'm just relying on garbage 
in the past. Maybe like where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Right. You know, or like that's clearly <laughs> Bali. You know, where I'm like, listen, I know a Mongolian. I know Mongolia <laughs> when I see it, and then I click, and it ends uh, up being yeah. in like you know, like it's in like fucking like northern Africa or something. I'm like <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I'm very bad at it. I guess I haven't really traveled that much, unlike Tammy San Diego here. Um, how's uh, how's Budapest? Are you yeah. surrounded by what's feedback? the food like? The food is better than in Prague, thank God. Prague was like I had nothing to eat. I would just go to the grocery store and get like cucumbers. Oh, Here no. is a little We're bit better, but there's still a lot of emails. meat. I don't understand because all these societies used to be agrarian societies where you didn't eat meat all the time. So I was wondering something. that too. I was like, communism. how is there a meal? I mean, <laughs> you think communism like, had abundant There's meat and, and fresh and... vegetables. For kind <laughs> I've of gone communism. the full other way about <laughs> my communism and fresh vegetables take, which is that communism <laughs> encourages the eating of, of stewed meats. <laughs> More like <laughs> if you look around the world. and barley and grasses <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know well what's it like are you like it, are you surrounded cool by like uh are you surrounded by like uh you know blood and soil american pilgrimage yeah why is so, CPAC? Yeah. so we yeah. got here like right at the like the last hour of cpac which i had was kind of trying to go to but then i gave up because they were being very finicky about credentialing um one of the really funny things is you're so under fidesz which is the right-wing orban party he's erected these monuments that bolster his worldview so there's this big statue of reagan in the city center no and way really it's crazy do you and take then a photo also, of it yeah, and then with, there's with also it, yeah. this monument with it. Yeah, there's also this monument to the Nazis, like attacking Hungary, but like Hungary was allied with the Nazis. So there's just this entire like kind of revisionism that they're trying to do for his nationalist purposes. Um, it's quite bleak. We I did go to this left wing um, cafe bar though to see a rock band. So that was kind of nice being around people who look like That's I don't cool. know. It was like going to a place in Bushwick or something. So there is like oh I see. So, so there's, so there's still like kind political of like, space. Yeah, like stuff, young yeah. left-wing culture and some, you know, like left journalists and stuff like that. Yeah. Is but it, it like must mostly, be very dreary. Is it mostly too. like the kids of wealthy people who are doing that? I couldn't communicate with anybody, but I don't think so. I mean, I think oh, it's okay. just people are trying to you can't, figure out um, ways to... They don't speak English, like not there, at all. There are, there are some. Yeah, but, but not... Yeah. But it's not like, yeah. you know, it's not like going to Berlin or something like that. Right. Are you going to Berlin? Not this trip. Oh, I've never been. I'd like to go to Berlin. It's cool. Yeah, I've been. It's, it's seems, a great city. I mean, it's huge. That's it. the thing. It's huge. People talk. Yeah, I feel like at this point it's a little played out. Yeah. Also, <laughs> just check it out. But still, it feels. <laughs> no, don't I'm just go to a rave or anything. But I also yeah. don't. I know what you, you know. Mean, Europe it's is over. not uh, ever on my. Um, Europe is never on my card of places I'm going to go. Okay, we're back. We had a bit of a recording problem there. I blame Tammy's communism. internet cut out. I think she's being targeted by the far right. Her internet. <laughs> they did got angry. DDoS attack on Tammy's hotel room. <laughs> They're like an outside agitator has arrived from New York City. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. Part of the lamestream media. Um <laughs> Anyway, that's enough talk about your travels. Um, yeah. We did want to talk about Joe Biden's travels early in the show today. 
What a segue. And yeah, like good segue. Nodding. He's <laughs> like, yeah, you it's nailed funny. it. Yeah. Um, thank you. Like hitting the chorus Very of a pop much. song. He's hitting, uh, Joe Biden's going around to Asia. He went to Korea, right? Mm-hmm. He met with uh, the new president there. Did he? That was yes. basically right. And then he, uh, but the big news is that last night around midnight Pacific, it was late. <laughs> there, there, like, there, Joe, there. Joe Biden came out and basically said, we will absolutely defend Taiwan if there is a military invasion by China, which was like kind of like a whoa, dude, <laughs> type of moment. You know? It was such a whoa, dude moment that Andy, I don't know what time it was for Andy. I think it was like 2 a.m. Andy's sleep patterns are more mysterious than my own. You know, like, I don't know when Andy. No, that was Tammy. I, I woke up to it. Then oh, that was Tammy. That's yeah. right. Well, that makes sense. I was awake at two, though. I wasn't reading. Yeah. News, yeah. Andy I don't know what time zone seen. Hungary is in, but I assume that it's like you're like 14 hours ahead of us, at this, <laughs> at, of me, at least at this point, or at least like nine or something. Nine. So, yeah, Tammy, like, uh, yeah, t- it's like, whoa. But by the time I woke up again the next morning, <laughs> this morning. Joe, like the State Department's walking this back, right? They're just like, dude, uh, yeah, you know, he didn't really mean that, right? <laughs> Which was similar to the to what he said about Putin, right? And genocide and and sort of his strong words there. And it was interesting at, to me, at least, because, um, you know, it actually truly was like a whoa, dude moment, right? And mm-hmm. it was a question of, um, whether or not the U.S.'s stance had changed on this or whether Joe Biden was just talking tough, you know? And it yeah. seems like he was just talking tough. Andy, as our China expert, what did you think about all this? Uh, I don't know. It seems like... So he actually has a precedent for this on Taiwan also. There was a town hall last fall, which was not at all about Asia, where someone randomly asked him about this and he said, yeah, we'll protect Taiwan. And then they walked it back. Um so the speculation was, my speculation and a lot of others that, well, since that town hall, you know, we've had Ukraine and the whole context of the question was actually Ukraine. Like, mm-hmm. you're not going to intervene in Ukraine directly. What do you do in Taiwan? That was the question. So there's the Ukraine thinking. And then, you know, this is a trip to Asia. So you would assume like they talk about it, you know, like, what are you going to say <laughs> if this comes up? So there was a, I, I think there's an assumption that this is more intentional and more final than that slip up in, in the CNN yeah. town hall. But then, right, like the State Department is walking it back. I don't know. The New York Times reporting was actually ambiguous on this because they would kind of like jump timelines. It would say like, Biden said this, the State Department walked it back. And then the next paragraph said, but Biden didn't actually walk it back, but kind of like not, not kind of like forcing him to stick to his word, you know, um, as if. Strategically ambiguous. (laughs) Yeah, I mean. I wasn't I wasn't really sure what like the reporting was trying to suggest. Like, are you giving are you allowing them to walk it back now? Or are you just kind of saying, like, no, you said it. You have to you have to stick by it, you know? Yeah. Um uh and then the the pushback was the you know, obviously like the Chinese state officials are upset, this is disruptive to peace, et cetera, et cetera. I looked at our favorite troll, uh Chen Wei Hua, he said he didn't he didn't he didn't say anything other than, you know, this is embarrassing for the US to keep having to walk these back, you know. So I, I think the I don't know. Maybe Biden just said the quiet part out loud. Like they, like mm-hmm. yes, they are making these secret private commitments, but he, you know, Biden kind of like blurted what they're not supposed to say out loud. Um, 
It did seem weird because not only is he in Asia to do Asia stuff, but the whole (laughs) trip is sort of tailored to to combat China in a way, right? right? Like he goes to Korea to talk about semiconductors, getting around Chinese supply chains, and he's going to Japan. And then he's meeting with the Quad, which the whole like raison d'etre of that is like to combat China. What's the Quad? It's Australia, India, Japan. Oh, right. The new, yeah. Yeah. Right. And he did um, say his so, statements were said in Tokyo, right? So, right. So it's kind of weird that. Yeah. I think he's yeah. just like, you know, he doesn't remember all the details of the plan, yeah. you know, but obviously the plan is contained right. China. That's right. Yeah. And the, the, I mean, it is weird because, you know, this is definitely the second time that he's had to walk these statements back, <laughs> right? About this specifically. Yeah. And I don't know how dangerous is this because the framing on this, like Stephen Wertheim, for example, this morning tweeted, uh, Stephen Wertheim is a, it was my uh, cubicle mate when we wrote our dissertations like eight years ago. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, it's truly dangerous for the president to keep misstating U.S. policy towards Taiwan. How many more times will this happen? My question is like, well, is it, is it true? I, and this is not to doubt what Stephen's saying. I, actually don't know you know like is it is it dangerous for biden to be just kind of doing biden things here i I mean i think like long run if i had to predict nothing's going to happen so like i I, you know we talked about this with ukraine like i feel like the whole way that russia ukraine which is still ongoing of course right but the way that it initially happened was had should have a deterrent effect to china right like they don't and and biden did basically say what we were saying, which is like, well, if they're not going to let Russia, if they're not going to stand by when Russia invades Ukraine, even more so when it comes to China and Taiwan. Mm-hmm. And that's basically Biden just, again, like saying the quiet part, like what everyone acknowledges is true. Um, so I don't know. I guess this gets in the question of like substance versus uh, non like surface. I get like we could debate about whether or not politics is about what you say in the public arena or whatever, but like the, the, the nuts and the bolt nuts and bolts of the geopolitical situation, I think for now, right. Uh, uh, absent anything crazy is like, yeah, China's probably not going to invade. They know that there's too much at stake and it's not going to work. And the United States, they're there, you know, I don't know how much they're willing to defend, but they'll do something, you know, but even if they don't invade, it's, I mean, to Stephen's point, I think it does seem to be unnecessarily agitating, right. to, you know, provocative right. towards China. Right. And it just right. seems like it each time it's kind of losing face. Like now that it's the second time, it almost feels like it's a test balloon or something. You know, it's just losing kind face. of yeah. it's losing yeah, face. Losing in face. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it just Tammy is relying on Orientalist tropes here. <laughs> I'm only going to utter Orientalist tropes for the rest of this episode. <laughs> yeah, well, let's let's get to your real, your true anti-Asian cry, <laughs> yeah, hate exactly. crime coming up here. Um, <laughs> I, okay, yeah, no, I, I think yeah, maybe what's worth time is saying what Stephen is saying is that. Um, Regardless of Taiwan, like if we, if we, whatever, like are pushing the government to whatever, take the temperature down with China and cooperate more economically and whatever, whatever mm-hmm. on the environment, you know, all the talking points, then yeah, this is kind of making, this is, you know, an act of hostility, I guess. Um, I don't yeah. Know. I don't know. I, I would say that, that yeah. you know, like what is the policy? I'm everyone, confused everyone knows by true. it too. Everyone right. knows the United States and Taiwan are allies. I don't know. I'm not an expert on any of this stuff. So right, from but the I outside looking think, in, I'm like, I don't think everyone 
I don't think, first of all, I don't think this type of statement would have been said five years ago, for example, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I do think it's weird when the only place where I think it really matters what Joe Biden says is, uh, is this, you know? <laughs> As and he to. does seem to keep messing it up right. in I ways mean. that are like a little bit off script and odd. And I don't know. I, I think, uh, you know, there is this, there's a sort of emerging thought, I think, amongst Democrats that like we should focus on, we should think of Ukraine as this big victory for U.S. foreign policy, right? right. And that Biden has galvanized NATO in a way. And um, that his failures, which are, you know, or whether you can call them failures because of the pandemic and everything who knows you know but like his shortcomings domestically should be also put in the context of what is a real foreign policy victory in ukraine and i don't know it's it's kind of like it's harder to make that case when he keeps messing up like this yeah in a lot of ways um well, now whether actually... whether what he says or not actually matters i'm with andy like i don't think we're going to start a war with china because biden keeps saying these types of things it's just weird like that's my only thing it's just like it's just weird i mean like, but why you are you his... saying why like don't you know the one thing you can't say you right. know and then you're just gonna go say it you know like it's just weird right. i mean you saw his debate performances and his prime like this isn't actually that surprising when you know who biden it's actually kind of surprising there are more of these biden gas at this point you know <laughs> Right. Am I wrong? Although, like, in, you just kind of think, well, okay, like, this person is a career politician. He's not yeah, Donald right. Trump, you know? It's like, it's not somebody who's, like, right. used to always straight talking, you know? He's used to, like, doing the <laughs> doing the act of straight talking, but he's not actually used to straight talking, right? It'd be more and surprising so, if Obama did this, let's say that. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, it's just weird. I don't know. I don't think they're senior moments, right? I just think that they're, I just think that he, like, sometimes gets in on dander and <laughs> and just can't stop saying things yeah, anyway all right off the cuff. okay let's, tammy yeah. let's talk yeah, about I mean, let's talk well, about anti-asian the, oh, yeah, <laughs> the one thing i wanted to say about ukraine is i do think that people who are generally of the foreign policy ilk that steve wertheim and other people that we have cited on the show before are um are also really concerned about ukraine just because there seems to be a real mission creep that's occurring and you know there i think from the restrain side restrainer side it's it seems like it's getting more and more dangerous the longer we're in it because yeah you know what exactly is it that we're doing there yeah at this point for sure. so just that note of caution oh yeah i mean i'm not saying no i, I know you're not agreeing with, with but i think yeah we need to i'm just saying that that, that is sort of the messaging that's coming out yeah of the White House, which is like, hey, we're really stopping Russia by just sending right. munitions and support as opposed to risking American lives, um, which, you know, I don't know. Like nobody, nobody really knows how that thing's going to end. Yeah. And um, it seems like a whole host of possibilities are on the table. But the public, for the most part, I think has moved on, you know, and um I don't think yeah. it's like, like, I think they're just expecting some diplomatic end after some incalculable loss of life. Um, and that it'll only be a story again when there's like some escalated threat of nuclear 
weapons, right? Well, and but, the, I think the other thing we need to keep an eye on is like it, it's probably true that Germany and some of the other large NATO states like should have been putting in more, and it shouldn't just be the U.S. If we agree that NATO should exist at all, and that it is this sort of mutual pact, but it's leading this whole thing is leading obviously to an escalation of arms investments all over the world, and mm-hmm. we're seeing like with Biden in Tokyo too. It seems like Tokyo is trying to ramp up its military, which it's been ha- having its eye on doing for a long time. The quad, like we don't really know what's going to go on there with AUKUS and all that. So it just seems like a very, actually very scary and unstable time. Like even though it doesn't seem from the American perspective that the Ukraine situation will change that much for our military situation all over the world, it it just feels very, very alarming. And so I think that adds to why Biden's gaffes seem very fraught right now. Yeah. Right. Right. It does seem like it's the end like we're in this moment that's like that was supposed to be the end of you know a certain 1990s 2000s moment people were hoping it would be the end of like neoliberalism and a reinvestment in like you know domestic spending on blah 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 that didn't happen but what did happen was a kind of turn back towards kind of um great power block geopolitics and uh i don't know it's like we got the uh we got the worst parts of the cold war without any of the good parts (laughs) which is which is Right, social yeah. welfare. <laughs> Francis Fukuyama was wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was wrong. He's so, sitting around making furniture in his house in Palo Alto. He's a woodblocker or woodmaker now. Yeah, he <laughs> details it on Instagram. It's fascinating. He like, oh. his, his Instagram is all him making furniture and him flying drones. <laughs> <laughs> he seems to have a, quite a nice life, honestly. Yeah. There's been a... <laughs> He has like a good agent or something. There's like these puff pieces about him these days. I know. Like, I've been noticing that. He wasn't that well, he has a new book out. And yeah. I think like people want to kind of make make happy with the neocons because they're not Trump, you know? Um, yeah. And I think that that's basically what it is. Also, he's a POC. <laughs> <laughs> he's good. He's good for oh, diversity. Man. It's like, Can listen, we, we, haven't, we haven't. We haven't. Uh, we haven't. We haven't. We haven't written a piece of book by a POC recently. <laughs> like we could either write about uh, this like uh, YA novel, you know, about <laughs> about the importance of like honoring your diverse heritage, or we can write about Francis Fukuyama's new book, The End of Liberalism, or whatever it is. <laughs> um, yeah, let's go with Francis. His Instagram's cool. Um, all right. Okay, Tammy, it's time. <laughs> All right, so we've been teasing this for a while. All of us have seen everything everywhere all at once. Now, we have hinted that one of the three of us did not like this film. Oh, and here's our warning. Look, if you haven't seen the movie and you don't want to be have it be spoiled, then just listen to this later. Um, there will probably be spoilers in it, and it's not worth trying to make an effort to not yeah, let's just spoil it. spoilers. Yeah. But okay. Now, the identity of our one true hater here will be revealed. I think that yesterday on Twitter, a lot of Andy's friends assumed it was Andy. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah, they're like, hey, Thanks, oh, it's definitely Andy. But it was not Andy. It was not me, even though, you know, I, I think I have a well-earned reputation as a hater. It's not something I show. Okay. But you know who it was? It was Tammy. Tammy did not like this movie. Which I find to be totally crazy. 
right? So Tammy, defend yourself. Why did you? Wait, why? No, why did, you guys should make the positive case. No, 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 no. We're we are representing the the correct consensus. At oh this my point. god! I mean, Tammy, should why, we have exposition? Yeah. or anything like summary? Say why it is. Yeah, sure. Do you want to what? summarize it first? Just you really in. need to do that. Okay, we can we can zoom back out after we, we have a very we have a we have a we have a surprisingly sizable but very niche audience here who I don't think needs that. <laughs> this film. Right, sure. Okay. Um, okay, so it's a movie by the Daniels, who are t- Daniel Kwan is one of the Daniels. The other Daniel is I don't know his last Shiner. Okay, Shiner. so they've made a, several movies. They're most important. They sort of got their start uh, with uh, some music video. What was it called? Like, um, anyway, the music video is crazy. Um, I forget what it's the name of the song. It's a very famous song. Yeah. And um, they made this movie. Uh, so they did music videos for a while, and then they made this Swiss Army Man, right? Which is Daniel Radcliffe, and you can start to see the you can start to see the beginnings of what would ultimately become. What is to this date their magnum opus, which is everything, everywhere, all at once, which stars Michelle Yeoh and Data slash Short Round and uh, Stephanie Shu, <laughs> yeah. um, who is a fantastic young actress, and um, and Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis, which I, and, didn't, I didn't oh, know that. Until oh wow! The so look at Tammy is already just like moving towards only no. only complimenting the white person. Oh, I see. <laughs> okay, oh, Tammy. okay. Yeah, you yeah, got me. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> Did you guys know that you? was her? I didn't know it was her until the credits. Oh, I knew it was her for I knew sure. It was her. It's definitely oh. her. Okay, so now the movie is. You know, I'm I'm gonna stop doing this. We everyone knows what the movie is. Yeah, Tammy, yeah, fine, fine. Tammy, what the fuck? Why did you not like this movie? <laughs> I don't understand why you guys liked the movie. But no, 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 every, don't do this. Don't do this. Answer like the, the question, please. I will yes. answer the question, okay. but I think you know, I think this is this is not usual. It would be usual that you guys would make the case anyway. Right. But I think um, I found the movie completely chaotic. Um, very sort of male, like it was a couple of dudes got drunk and sort of made a movie about verse jumping. It also seems seemed very, I think I mentioned this to you guys before, to me, it basically had the same plot as Turning Red. <laughs> like it seemed very sort of... But you like Turning Red. I like Turning Red. I thought it was done better. Um, but it seemed very sort of stock Asian Americana to me and... I don't know. I didn't find the mother-daughter relationship that exciting. I thought they could have made better use, actually, of Stephanie Hsu, who is, in fact, a very good actress. Um, I don't think that we knew enough about her or the relationship to understand why she would transform into this black hole-sucking demon of the verse-jumping world. So those are some of my starting reasons. Okay. That's all. Like, no, uh, none no, of those make sense. Some of this is fair. No, I, I, none no, of that makes not, sense. Like, none what kind of, of reaction sense. is that to like make an ugly face and then say it doesn't make sense? Like, you have to engage <laughs> with these critiques. All right. First of all, this idea that it's like some sort of uh, male film. I think that look, I if if all you're, if what you're saying is that the very act of having a multiverse, right, or like a sort of sci-fi type of thing is male then i don't know no of course not right so what's male about it it's about like a it's about a mother-daughter relationship well first of all it's very like sexualized and phallic throughout like the the verses that are imagined seemed very sort of aesthetically male to me and sort of like tossed off kind of 
bro-y ideas of what that verse would be. Hmm. Um, should we talk about specifics? Like the main, the main alternate universe is Michelle Yeoh's own real life, right? As a movie mm-hmm. star back in Asia, right? No, no. The main multiverse that well, is narratively is the one where she is. Okay, so the film is like split between like five separate multiverses or so. And the main one that is the main narrative of the film, Michelle Yeoh is running a laundromat in what looks right, like right, Arizona right. or something like that, right? That's California. And she's married to, um, wait, I, I can't, what? He Ki Kwai? He Ki Kwan, yeah. Okay. Um, who is Data in Short Round in the film <laughs> or in, in back in the day? Yeah. And, uh, and, her Michelle Yeoh's their daughter, who's played by Stephanie Shu, is uh, has a girlfriend, right? And that there is difficulty within the family in accepting this, right? Not not from the father, who is like sort of this angelic figure, but from the mother and from presumably the grandfather, who's like the sort of patriarch of this immigrant family. They have these all these tax problems with the laundromat. And so they have to go into get their taxes assessed by like the local IRS officer who is played by Jamie Lee Curtis. And then everything starts to fracture. Right. And we learn that um, the daughter is actually in several other multiverses has turned herself into this like a demon who is going to destroy all the multiverses. Mm -hmm. uh, Jofu Tabaki is the name. Yeah, it's <laughs> crazy yeah. name. It's right, crazy right, name. right. Just not like Jonathan Kaminga, but it is very creative in that regard. And then you have all this sort of different <laughs> multiverses. Uh, one in which everyone has hot dog fingers. One in which people are rocks. <laughs> right. You have one in which uh, the Michelle Yeoh is actually playing Michelle Yeoh. Right, the movie star. That's the one yeah. you were talking yeah, about. Yeah. Um, and there's one where uh, where the raccoon. Oh, the Alphaverse. Right. And the Alphaverse is sort of the base for all of this. And this is where people can go into the different multiverses and the Alphaverse. That's where the daughter, Stephanie Shu, is like, you know, this demon that's trying to destroy all the multiverses. Right. And so the script of the film is basically just like, okay, can they, can the mother, Michelle Yeoh, learn enough from jumping from multiverse to multiverse and picking up the different skills, much like one would do in a video game? Right. Mm-hmm. And then turn herself into something that can vanquish her daughter. That's a that's a plot of the movie. Is that a fair assessment of the plot? Yes, um, but a lot of it is trying to understand why this is happening and why her daughter is that person. Yeah, right. right. I I mean I agree with Tammy that the middle was really dragged for me. I was like I have no idea what's going on uh, for about ten minutes, and I didn't really think, you know, the video game aspect of Michelle Yeoh, Conk, you know, defeating her, vanquishing her daughter wasn't really what the movie was or what the rest of the movie is about. So um, like, I agree with that criticism. Like, I think 10 more minutes could be cut off in the middle, like uh, of like music video fight scenes. Or, uh, oh my God. Right. I totally disagree. <laughs> wanted more Kung Fu, but less of the jumping. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I was, I wasn't even sure about like what, what Michelle Yeoh's goal here was or with the everything bagel, mm-hmm. right? The everything bagel is the black hole that sucks in every multiverse and, collapses all of matter into itself or something um i i so i mean should i give my like main takeaway or top line yeah takeaway? go ahead Andy. so for me i agree i also agree with tammy that like the opening oh scenes God. were touching but were also pretty standard asian american tropes but i think well more well done than in the past and we can talk about like where this film fits into like asian american 
filmography. Um, like, you know, the, she says, you know, her daughter is like, you're too fat. You like your Chinese has gotten worse. Um, and I, I was like laughing. I was like the only one in the theater laughing um, at those lines. But at the same time, you think, think about like, that's pretty standard, like Asian American stuff. But then I feel like it didn't stop there. And it actually like pushed uh, further this idea that like the basic standard Asian American thing is like, isn't it annoying that our parents had these expectations from a different world? We just want to live our life in America. But instead of just kind of zooming in or whatever, like focusing on life in America, it actually did the opposite and like looked back. And I thought for me, and I, I think I told, I told you all this by text, like I was like crying through a lot of the film and the first mm-hmm. moment where I felt some sort of emotional thing, which is kind of surprising was when Michelle Yeoh first jumps to another universe and you see real life footage of her, the crazy rich Asians red carpet screening. I don't know if you all caught right. that. And I was like, why did that like make me kind of tear up? And I think yeah, it's because what? I think it's because and this might be a little too much like armchair psychology, I think because like up until now, this film is Michelle Yeoh, who we all know is Michelle Yeoh, right? World famous actress, in, especially in Asia. She's done some right. US films, but especially mm-hmm. in Asia is now cosplaying as this really poor, frustrated Asian American mother. Right. And there's the sense what that what that initial jump to me signified was the sense that I feel, I think a lot of Asian Americans feel, that our parents could have had a better life if they had stayed in Asia. Right. Um, and they came to this country for our sake. Um, and they didn't lead the life that they want to live. Right. And right. You know, we, we see throughout for the first 20 minutes how she can't, she feels frustrated speaking to an IRS agent because she doesn't know the big words that she uses. Um, at one point, her husband says, like, you know, you're a failure. You every like, you're the worst case scenario for you for for Evelyn, Evelyn Wong. And there right. I think there's a sense for me, I was thinking about this. I think there's a sense that I thought about my parents the same way, which is that um I mean they have they have, they have a very nice life. Like don't, you know, I don't want to like make my make us a victim. But I have always felt like, and especially since they've moved back to Asia, that they were always operating at like very little capacity in the United States in terms of just like Right. You know, being right. able to talk to people and 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 being a normal American, quote unquote, and that maybe, and they were doing this all for me, you know, and my brother, which I wouldn't get into like, is that actually a legitimate emotion? But that is an emotion I felt. And I think a lot of Asian Americans feel. And now I see them back in Asia and I'm like, I'm like, very like, I'm, I'm sad that they're very far away, but I'm actually very happy for them because I feel like this is their natural, not natural, but like this is more a more of an organic place for them to be. And so that Michelle Yeoh scene was sort of like, I don't know, it was almost like seeing like my own parents, like, yeah, back in Asia, they would have like been better able to express themselves and pursue whatever career they wanted. And they would have been more fuller human beings. And uh, I think all that was intentional. Yeah. And I think that was certainly intentional. Like, I think that having the storyline be where, you know, coming to the United States was the big mistake in this life. Right. But then it's redeemed at the end. Right. Because it, allows her daughter to live a different life and allows her daughter to um you know allows her daughter to sort of have a relationship and that they understand that the relationship is independent of whatever fame and wealth that the mother has right like that's like that's sort of the idea of it and i think that like that whole part of it which was like the meta part of all these metaverses really fascinating to me because it also has to do with uh Kei Hui 
I said how you pronounce it. I have no idea. Yeah. I don't want I mean, to be racist here, but like, you know, like, he's Chinese Vietnamese. I think they call him Key, but that's like a simplification. Okay, so Key Hoi Kwan is called right? Wayman okay. Wong in the film. Yeah, Wayman Wong in the mm-hmm. film. But no, but I mean, it's about the actor too, because it's about right. like the point is that he is short round, right? Like that's <laughs> like you can't distinguish it from that. Like you, he's a very recognizable face who has gotten old. And then we realize that he has gotten old without us seeing him in film at all he was erased from being like the most famous kid asian actor of all time like it's not even close right those two movies are cute. i didn't i didn't know who data. he was when i was watching it i looked oh, at really? the data and well i did but yeah. data and um and and uh and short round and then he turns into like he goes away you don't see him in any movies really for what 40 years or something yeah, and then he comes this. back and he's playing alongside the most famous asian actress perhaps in the world right like or at least is in one of the films that's the most watched in the world that probably the best crossover let's right 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 right. what i mean is more more people in the world have seen crouching tiger hidden dragon for example right than than and crazy rich asians and like other films in asia right right right. um and so uh that part i think is intentional right like i don't think it's actually just a statement about asian representation in film i actually just think it's a statement about lives in asia versus lives in america yeah right? because like his story is that he really after those two roles wanted to dedicate himself to acting and to becoming like a great actor and it was over for him because there are no there is there's no work for him yeah right? so he went behind the camera and this was his sort of big return to acting and i don't know i think that for a film like that's a big blockbuster movie to be able to make that type of move i don't know i was just very impressed yeah. <laughs> you know? i was like holy shit like you know like that's like a pretty interesting literary move where you're yeah. actually sort of talking about the actors themselves in this way where you're not really hammering people over the head it's like a flash of michelle yo in, right. right in in real life i don't know i thought that was pretty impressive yeah i didn't i so i didn't know who he was but the whole time i was like trying to figure out who he was like is I assumed he was Asian at first, and then the more I hear him talk, he's probably kind of an American actor. Uh, but I was like, man, this guy's like really good. He's a great comedic, blah blah blah. And then you, I didn't. I was like very surprised afterward to find out his backstory. And I think like the casting, when from what I read, like he, they didn't intend to cast him or Michelle Yeoh, right? They wind up casting him. And no, maybe, they definitely intended to cast Michelle Yeoh. Well, it was they, made for Jackie Chan. Yeah, the the story so they pivoted is later. They had a list of Asian actors, and Jackie Chan was actually above her. Right, yeah. but Jackie Chan and Michelle Yeoh are like the same idea. Um, sure, right, but yeah. the, Michelle Yeoh, um, like they wanted but, the most famous. I mean, like right. you know, like, I mean, watch Police Story, like they're both in it. Right, you know? it's like so. It's a, they obviously wrote it to, to her specifically, right after right. the caster. Right. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think. Yeah, so I think I think that that and this kind of we've talked about this before. Like I think this this generation of Asian American films, I don't know what you want to call it, like Gen Gen X Y Z or whatever, <laughs> is different than the past one, like Farewell Minari, et cetera, because they do raise this question of uh, maybe Asia would have been better, you know, than than moving to this country, um, a sort of melancholy feeling that I think a lot of second generations mm-hmm. or even first generation people have um, certainly and. 
And I, I think like I think I think Minari asked that question too. I mean, yeah, that's what I was saying. He was saying farm. that's part of that. Right. Oh, oh, Fare, oh, okay. Farewell, got it, got crazy it. rich right, Asians. Right, right. Like, Although right. I actually think that is also in Joy Luck Club, but anyway, I mean, I don't think it's completely absent from that. It's, it's been a while since I've read it, but I do. But anyway, I think maybe like maybe <laughs> degree versus kind, right? Like more more so than before. Uh, yeah. I th- yeah. like we're different than maybe Tan's generation, right? Not to- yeah. Although I don't know that movie is so weird because it was made by Wayne Wong and it's just right. like, I don't understand. Um, Tammy, let's go back to you here because, uh, you know, you're the, you're the, you're the guest here. I mean, <laughs> oh, I went and I talked to, you know, I talked to Oliver Wong, who's former guest on the show, friend of the show. Mm-hmm. And I was interviewing for this movie I'm making and I was like, um, Hey, Oliver, have you seen this movie? Because I had just seen it. And he was like, it's the second best Asian American movie of all time. After the first. Well, Chan is missing. I think, okay. You know? yeah. I was so, wondering to myself where I would rank this movie. Which is Chan like, is missing is the best Asian American film ever made. I don't think that anyone makes, right? Like, that's just clear. Uh, I have to think. Well, that's the other thing is like, how do you categorize? Like, when, when I learned more about this film, I was like, okay, this is Asian American, but... Well, it's definitely um, an Asian American movie, right? As opposed to Asian, right? But I don't know really. what the difference is. It's I mean, going it's made by Asian Americans. It's far more international. about a family in right, America. Right. But, but I think it's more international than a lot of the, uh, you know, than Chan is missing, for instance, right? Well, yeah. Well, I mean, Chan is missing. It's just, that's it's just very, about like San Francisco. Got a ten dollar budget, different. right? Yeah. yeah, but I don't think that's like a failing of Chan. Is no, missing. I'm not. I'm just saying, like, how do you categorize these things? But yeah, it, it oh, I mean, though, I think those are both definitely Asian. Right? And the other thing, obviously, I like is like, like tomorrow too. All these new films use Asian languages, um, mm-hmm. which I don't know. I, I assume like there was a reason, like a disincentive to use Asian languages before. Um, Maybe that's a little like too presumptive, but like yeah, they don't do the thing where uh, the Asian person speaks in an Asian accent, accent while speaking exactly. Chinese. Yeah. I will yeah. say Michelle Yeoh's that is accent, refreshing. Michelle Yeoh's accent is not Asian American though. No, and it's Michelle, very good. It's a very good Cantonese accent that is, does, yeah. that is not how she speaks in real life. So she caught she caught the like middle class Cantonese mm. English. Yeah. It was really she's a, I thought the domestic scene set up in the beginning was nice actually with the laundromat. Okay, so what else did you not let, let's go down the list of things you didn't like about it? So we got through the Broadway one and we dismiss it. What's the second one? Like oh, oh my god, too chaotic. This? This is I ridiculous. didn't think that it was. I didn't think that it was too chaotic. I mean, I thought. Have that you guys I, seen the new season of Russian Doll or Russian no. Doll at all? No, that, that's another kind of multi. They're doing the same kind of play with multiversing. But I, I lost track of the multiverses. I'll say that I didn't know. I didn't. The I kind like, of frenetic aspect of this is very specific. Yeah. I don't necessarily mind. Oh yeah, we're I in like a multiverse moment. Yeah, yeah, like but the Doctor Strange. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Is right. that is that happening in a lot of? I don't consume pop culture. Like what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Doctor Strange movie is the number one movie in the world right now, and it's a multiverse movie. Okay. Yeah, it was like two verses, or like I don't know. 20. I haven't seen it, but. Uh, I know it's a multiverse because it says multiverse in the title. I mean, um, I, I was thinking like the multiverse theme and. I don't know what the um, the direction this goes in terms of like what determined the other. I thought the multiverse whole setup was like a metaphor for like Asian American schizophrenia of, you know, like we live here, but our parents <laughs> are from there and we have to like coexist right. in these two worlds. Right. And the time warp of that. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if they came up with multiverse first and yeah. then read it as Asian American or is the other way around? Um, I mean, I think no, it's yeah. unmistakably a part of the story. The question is like, what was the premise? You know, I think the premise might have been the sci-fi aspect and then they 
might have grafted the Asian American part. Right, but who it. cares what they did, right? Yeah, like, sure. I mean, um, it can be, it can be, it, it is, it is watched as being a reflection of sort of living in several different worlds at once and, you know, having one sort of become dominant and not understanding of why this one has become dominant, that these fundamental choice, like Andy said, of your parents to move to the United States is the determinative difference in how your life will turn out, right? It's the biggest decision that they've made and that, uh, you know, everyone imagines what their life would have been like when they were back in, if their parents hadn't moved, you know, I think about it all yeah. the time. I'm like, yeah. I don't know. My life probably would have been better in some ways, you know, hello, my life is fucking awesome right now. You know? <laughs> I don't like, but it, like in a lot, in some ways, in some ways not, but you know, like right now, I'm just like, I don't know, like, would I have really been able to do what I do now in Korea? You know, probably I don't not. know, probably not. Right. Uh, would I be, I probably would have been working 16 hours a day, right? Now, would yeah. I be hit with microaggressions? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> different, different kinds, but yeah. Yeah, there would, there would be, would there be microaggressions about like the darkness of my skin? <laughs> yeah. Yes. You know, I'm extremely dark. You know, would there be microaggressions about like, you know, class status or whatever? I don't know. I don't even know what class I would have been in Korea because, you know, like parents are of two completely different class backgrounds. And like, that's part of the reason why they moved to the United States because the type of thing is untenable over there in 1974 yeah. or whatever. Right. So, um, I mean, yeah, that's a trade off. It's like, that um, is a, I thought it was an incredibly interesting exploration of that, of that yeah. fundamental question, which I guess is also the fundamental question of the farewell. Right. Yeah, um, a, a lot of these films, right? Because like, yeah. I kind of right. think that's what Crazy Rich Asians is about, too. Like, right. do you go back to Asia now that it's rich and, um, you know, confident in a world power, or do you go back to the United States at the end, which they do? Um, right. So, we, obviously, it's not a, that's not like the, that's not like cinema. But, you know, was, that, that is the question I think a lot of the Asian American films are asking now. Yeah. But I was, I was reading some non-Asian criticism of this movie because I wanted to know how it was read by people who aren't yeah. us. And outsiders. Um, I think, yeah. yeah, by outsiders, interlopers. And um, in the same way, I think that we're reading it as this sort of, you know, kind of immigration multi or, uh, you know, kind of multiverse, like the um, like what could have been. I think other people have read it like, oh, this is about the choices in under late capitalism or like, you know, right. so I think there's like a bunch of different things you could say right. about what the multiverse yeah. is supposed to expect, right? Or just the this kind of burden of choice in the, our society yeah, and, for and sure. all this capitalism. And you know, I was having a conversation with someone about this who was like, and this is a question I could, we could also, I could throw to you all. Like she wanted to say like, this is a Chinese film. Like I, I, obviously everyone can under, enjoy it, but there are all these inside jokes that are Chinese. And I was like, like what? Like what? Like hot like dog the... fingers? <laughs> like like, like, like there's the, a lot of like, like little the references. Chinese film Ratatouille? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like what? I don't know. I hate these types. No, of no, no. Those, those are what I'm saying. She must have a reason. I'm curious what. Her what I, I think there are insider things, like I was saying, like the accents and, sure. and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think there's layers to this stuff, right? And so it could be seen as Chinese. It could be Asian American, and obviously it's also universal um, in, in 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 its aspirations. And that's what I think was interesting about the film, which is that you know, it is. I would say it's like it's not unique to. You know, Chinese diaspora, I think it's specific. This is the specific shit that these characters might go through. And it's obviously drawn mm -hmm. from Daniel Kwan's specific experience as a Chinese American. Um, but it is ambitiously trying to take that specific in particular and 
um, make it resonate more universally. And what the most the universal aspect part is like the, is the is the rocks, you know. Say what? Is a family from Hong Kong? I think it's Cant Guang, like Southern China, Guangdong, because like oh, yeah, if yeah. it's from Hong Kong, they'd be speaking Cantonese to each other. Right, but right, right, right. Um, Kei Hui and Michelle are speaking Mandarin. Right. Um, but it's accented enough. The, the, the other <laughs> interesting thing that I thought that I really liked was the grandfather James Hong um, speaks Cantonese, which is it's believable that they're Cantonese family that speaks Mandarin now. But like he's he's been around forever. He's an American actor. He was the restaurant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's ninety three years old. He was the maitre d' in the Seinfeld Chinese restaurant um, episode. You know, for instance. So he's <laughs> done like fifty years of English language acting. You know, yeah. He where, just got his yeah, he star on the star. Walk of Fame. Okay, this yeah. yeah. And he's always like mob boss in Chinatown or right, you know restaurant right, guy. Right. And now he gets to be. Uh, I was like a little touched. Like he gets to actually like show his versatility and speak Cantonese and accented English and then full English and like. I was, no. yeah. It was a pretty small role. I will say that really the, uh, the marketing around this movie was amazing. You know, where they had Michelle Yeoh say, like, this was the movie I always wanted to make because I've always been so typecast. And uh, in that, like, when I first watched that, I felt uh, like I felt great for her too. But then I also just thought, bro, you are like the most famous actor in the world. I didn't actually hear her say that. That's funny. Yeah, it's like, um, come on. Not, like, yeah, what I are agree you with talking you. about? You I could legitimately make, you could literally make any movie you want and everyone would say, okay, yeah. because you're, that's how famous you are. You know, yeah. it's like, it's, it's well, kind of like hearing like, I don't know, like Angelina Jolie, like 10 years ago being like, you know, um, it's impossible for me to do a comedic role and be like, no, if you want to do a comedic role, they would line up the money for right. you. And it might be terrible, but they right. would make that movie. I right. promise you. Yeah. <laughs> just People like, being what? like, it's a burden being so beautiful and talented. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, well, like um, you know, it's not like you only play like the kind of like, you know, stern and morally good person that you played in. Crashing Tiger, you know. Um, <laughs> anyway, whatever. Well, I guess I think... she did play the same role in Shang Chi, but anyway. <laughs> oh, did she? Okay, so maybe that. that's just but, the one you that know. you like. <laughs> I, I, well, I think this gets to like kind of the ending of the the tension with the ending. So, like, yeah, I saw an interview with her where she was like, "I know Evelyn. I pass by Evelyn all the time on the street." I was like, "Oh, you oh sound a little God. bit like I know. Right? It sounds a little like." Out of touch. <laughs> oh no, Tammy's. So don't give Tammy. Don't give More Tammy ammo. good. Yeah, well, don't give Tammy ammo here. Tammy's. 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 I did like the movie thing. Was so, was uh, you know. I was like. I was like great. You know. I flowed all of it. I, you know. I was writing down her arguments, and I was like, I'm gonna go you line by it. line like a battle rapper, and I'm gonna destroy this. But don't Do give. It. Don't give her legitimate reasons here. <laughs> I, I would say there's a tension at the end because the tension. The the film on the surface. How does it end? It's it's like. We could like stop thinking about all these multiple universes and just like enjoy each other's company, which is true. Like I don't, I don't disagree with that like simple life philosophy, but it's also like kind of in contradiction with the rest of the film, which is like there's all this crazy shit out there that's always like, especially I think you know Joy is like the secondary character, but I think and you could read this film is all about Joy actually, right? It's about the kind of schizophrenia mm-hmm. of being Asian American, and I think the ending of the film is sort of like saying like put that away and just you know, enjoy your life here in the U.S., which is a little bit in contradiction, tension with the film. And then more generally, it's like, we don't need anything. Why is it in tension with the film? Because I think the film is trying to explore all those kind of um, different voices in your head uh, for immigrants. And Right, you know, but that in the end, what matters is that, like, 
the family is exists right, right. in that um so it's a very pat asian american immigrant and yeah it is right it and, is and and, and then but i don't here's my thing about this which is that i don't think that we need to be reinventing the wheel all the time here right like in terms of like i find it very odd when people are like oh like this is, goes back to the conversation that we had about like how Asian actors who won't play roles that are have accents in them, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, OK, so you're just like, what are you saying here? You're saying like, oh, I'll never play somebody who's an immigrant, you know, no, I think they I'll can, only play like an assimilated white person. No, I'm saying they could explore it. They can explore. Obviously, I think the whole film is exploration of immigrants. Right, 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 right. But what I'm saying is that like saying like, oh, well, it's about the mother is saying like, oh, you're fat and stuff like that, that those are like disappointing in a way. I'm not saying you're saying this, Andy, but right. I'm saying that Tammy said it. Right? Like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I do. All right, bring it up. Like, I yeah. think that those types of tropes are fine to put in because that well, is a lot of Well, this is what we talked about in Turning Red, parents. right? Where right, we were like, right. it's okay to do some of this if yeah, it yeah. feels like it's earned. But right. I, I also like, feel like they're and building. And I don't think it is in this movie. They're using it as really? a launching pad. Why yeah. is it not? Okay. Okay, Tammy, first of all, I will say that, you know, the term it's not earned is like a trope in itself for when people just want to be haters and, and can't come up with reasons. Oh. They're just like, I don't think they earn that. Right? <laughs> well, I mean, when you're specifically talking about character development, okay, I can say it in a different way. Okay. Which is what well, I, I want to hear up, it. Well, I already said it up top, which is that I don't think that we know enough about the daughter or the daughter mother relationship to feel this incredible, like literally world changing trauma that is. Yeah the multiverse basis of the story. Okay, I will say this about the film where, Tammy, I'm going to agree with you a little bit here. I thought that sort of setting it up as like being like, oh, she doesn't accept my uh, girlfriend. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought that was a little weak, you know? Like I was like, okay, why not do it something that's less sort of like clear, you know? Um, well, it comes out, I guess it comes out later, right? Like initially we think that's kind of the basis of it, but really it's about all of the career disappointments, disappointments and emotional cleavages right, between right, them. Right, and right. yet we don't really have a full understanding right. of what those are. Right. And it would have been better. Like, I think it would have been better if the mother was just disappointed because the daughter was like a failure, you know, right. which in the end is what it is. It's right. True. Right. But like, I think that having the daughter be because, you know, she's like, oh, you're just like me. You're just all messed up. Right. Which mm-hmm. was a very touching scene, I thought. Um, yeah, because mostly because I don't know, I, in, in some of these films, I have a hard time distinguishing whether the writing is good or whether the acting is good. But I think in this film, the acting and the writing were good. You know, like there are these moments I, somebody tweeted this, which I thought uh, and it got like five fifty thousand likes or something like that. But I thought it was true, which was just that there are these setups in this film that should be incredibly cheesy. And Tammy, maybe this is part of what you're reacting against. Maybe you read these as cheesy, but, I, you know. Um, where it's just kind of like an E.T. moment being like, you know, or like Fast and Furious, you know, where it's like family. (laughs) (laughs) I was having an argument with my cousin who's a, you know, he's a film director. And he was like, he was talking about how, um, how like, he was like, I don't know, man. Like, you know, like how many Fast and Furious movies can there be where Vin Diesel just at the end goes like family. And I was like, there could be 30 of them and I would still watch all of them. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? It's awesome. You know, what is that not cool? <laughs> it's yeah. been cool so far in nine films straight, you know? And so like, I and I, and every single time it gets me, I'm like, yeah, 
fucking family, man. Um, but uh, <laughs> so in this movie, why. there are all these setups that could be like, if it was done poorly, would just be like, you just ruined the film. Yeah. But they didn't. They really were all very good. And I think the writing was kind of good because the distinction was like, oh, it's different than saying I will love you forever than saying like, oh, I just want to, you know, in another life, I would have been happy owning a laundry and doing taxes with you. Right. That, that was a tweet that went viral. And that, that that distinction is what matters and that the acting, the delivery of is, is what matters. But I do think that in the end, the fact that the setup is there to have that cheesy moment yeah. means that that, that movement is still in, intrinsically cheesy in a way, yeah. you know, but that it was just done very well, which is actually a risk that filmmakers should take, you know, like you should be able to go just for the jugular without sort of dancing around and doing a bunch of fancy right. tricks well, um, all the time. So this is what I was saying. Like the ending in a way is like, well, all that matters is the three of us in this room or something like that. Um, well, then why did we need two hours of all these effects and these crazy jokes? And why do we need to cast Michelle Yeoh, you know, to say all this, right? So there is, that's, I guess what I'm saying is what like- What do you mean? Like, are you saying like, oh, you know, like, a, I don't know, like- um what was that movie with uh, Charlton Heston where he plays Moses? It's like, well, I don't know. They got Moses. out of the they got out of the desert. You know, <laughs> why did we have to do all this parting of the Red Sea stuff? <laughs> I don't know, but it seems like I, I felt like this film was doing something new and different. But then the ending is like kind of the same as the last. I don't of know. I think you, you kind of wanted like a tanky type of conclusion. No. <laughs> approach like, oh, yeah, no we, i we think should have I, never left the prc i was thinking you know, mal would have provided for us or something yeah seriously no i was thinking well obviously we get the alternative universe which is like your famous movie star in singapore you know which is not you know that's michelle's life michelle yo's life right it isn't even about like going back to asia i was thinking like you know I, as, as i think about this stuff in my own life is like well how do you get how do you get how do you how do you deal with that feeling that your parents sacrifice all this stuff for you well i think what i've thought about is like well especially as I get older and, you know, have kid, my own kid is like, my parents didn't just move here for me and my brother. They moved they're here for themselves, you know? And it's like, it's kind of this artificial burden that gets placed on children um, to make, to think that, right. And it gets kind of fucked up in the sort of first mm -hmm. to second generation passage and the raising of the kids and all this, all this stuff. And I think a more fuller appreciation of that. Um, I mean, I'm not saying like I would rewrite this film, but I'm just saying as a different way of thinking about that problem that this film gets into but how would they have concluded it? To I'm not. I don't know. I don't know how the film itself would deal with it. But I'm just saying, like this film raised a new question, right? An, an, an interest raised this kind of new, interesting way of thinking about this. And um, there are ways to go there. There are ways to explore that without winding up with we'll just accept each other for who we are, and all we have to do is like live the life. You know, the three of us in this room is all that matters. Which you know, it's, it's, it's fine. Like I understand that also, and I get that. But, but um, I think that's th the think reality of it, though, right? Like, don't you think that's the reality of it? Like, what would have been a different ending? Like, they go back to China? No, I don't know. I mean, it could, it could have been basically really? the same ending, but with, like, different dialogue, you know? I oh. guess I guess what I'm saying is, huh. like, the ending is sort of like... You think it was overwritten? No. Give me your thoughts. It's more like the ending is like, you know, um, yes, we have all these disappointments, but that's okay, and we'll just like embrace and, and love each other. Um, okay, but yeah, but that's isn't but that, that the lesson so that has to be the generally? ending of every single movie that has a multiverse. Yeah, and that's fine, yeah. right? Is like that—that's that, a genre, no and I get that. It. Yeah, but, but there's I, a different I, way to explore this idea were... that your parents lived a worse life for moving here. I think there's a different way to explore that than just saying well, I don't like, know this if is the they worst did life. Did necessarily? I mean, I guess they did in the sense that 
she's not a movie star, right? They say this is the worst possible life you could For have lived. For her, but she wouldn't have the family. Right. She could have right. a family back in China. Oh, I guess, yeah, because Kate. No, but no, this because family wouldn't had, exist. Right, right, right. I, th- I right. thought what you were saying Which is, is why he says, I would have been happy doing, in another life, I would have been happy just owning a laundry and doing taxes with you. I'm sorry, yeah. Tim. I didn't I mean forgot. to cut you off. Go no, I'm, he just, I feel like he got he got a short, he got short shrifted on the on the script. Anyway, um, no, Andy, I thought you were saying that you you just wanted the ending to, when you were talking about dialogue, I thought you were critiquing the dialogue at the ending. Yeah, and like that maybe the, it, it was overwritten. Like it could have been, there could have been more space or something where you know there are more questions left unanswered. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the like. I'm not. I'm not going to Monday morning quarterback the ending. I'm just going to. I just think like the ending kind of domesticates this like Definitely. very chaotic middle, you know. And I guess that's how movies have but to, it has to right? to. Right. But it ha- like it has to end. It right. Yeah. Has to. But the I don't middle. Know, maybe this is my you know Buddhist youth or something like that. But I do find it satisfying to just say you know we can't change what the world right sure um and that the world happens outside of our control and that the sooner that we can understand that and that the outcomes that exist are not are not our doing or anyone's doing right um the better that we'll be off and we should live humble lives of you know connection with one another i don't know i think that's so do you think the goal of so you know if you were to talk to if you were to meet like a it doesn't have to be asian american like an immigrant who's like i'm like so frustrated because i'm like caught between these worlds and like okay let's explore that and like where the world your parents came think... from and all that stuff you think the end of that would still be now that we've explored all that now that you can live in this world mm-hmm. definitely and, okay and well fun. i have two thoughts yeah yes yes i think that, that would be to. good my like first thought is that, that I think I'm not that saying in real life, not talking about like in the movie, just like in real life, because I guess that's what I'm having issue with. Because I don't know if that's how I feel. The anxiety of the of the sort of like fraught, gigantic anxiety that is exi- that is expressed in this film, I think very artfully about about how life life decisions could be different is mostly felt by the second generation. Right. The first generation does think about it, but they don't feel like their their reasoning for coming to the United States is very clear to them, you know, and I don't think that many people spend their entire lives wondering um, how lives would be different. The reason why I know this is because I've asked many, many, many first generation immigrants this question, because it was one that I was very interested in for a while. And I found that the majority of them just were just like, what are you talking about? You know, now their children very. Well, what was what's the know? answer? Just like no, of course my life is better here. Oh, I know? see. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I don't regret coming to this country. I like you know this country gives a lot of opportunities. Look at what my children are doing. Look what I look at this house I was able to purchase. Right, even if the house is very modest. Right, right? like and even if these people are not rich, like right. that is that that is an immigrant mentality. And this is part of what makes you know me angry about a lot of the ways in which immigrant narratives are sort of spilled or sort of distributed in the, here in the United States, which is just that like, I'm sorry, but that's how a lot of people feel, right? And you shouldn't always graph the anxieties of the second generation's thoughts about belonging on the first generation. Like a lot of times the first generation kind of understands that they're not going to belong, right? Yeah. And, and that they just got to deal with it and they just say, all right, life is better still, right? And so... Um, I don't know. I, I think that, that, that actually was kind of realistic that, 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 um, now this film in a lot of ways is a grafting of that, all those sorts of anxieties onto Michelle Yeoh. Right. But I think that having it conclude with like, you know what, like 
this isn't that bad. I think that that's like, I don't think that that is like a selling out of the possibilities of this. I think it is like a acknowledgement of the reality that like a immigrant life, however humble is still like a valuable and that there's no real value in constantly comparing it to the outcomes that could have happened in a, in back in the home country. And that this is how a lot of people feel, but like, I don't know. I just, I guess I, I just, I'm still not really seeing what you're saying, Andy, but go ahead. Me? Um, I mean, I think, I mean, this, I guess is like the different life routes we've taken. Like I feel much better having spent a lot of my time. I, I would say like I, a lot of anxiety I might've felt with this kind of like something analogous to Joy's kind of sense of misery. Right. I think I felt a lot better. I felt that maybe in my teenage years and my young 20s, and I felt a lot better having gone back to Asia and given it a try and then coming back. And, and also, like, I want to go back, and I like going back and forth. Um, and also, this experience of living in Asia. Um, I remember I was, I was in Japan, so, like, it wasn't even, like, a Chinese-speaking country. Um, and feel, realizing for the first time, holy fuck, this is really hard. Um, and thinking about, well, actually, my parents did that for 30 years. Um, it gave me this completely different perspective on what they had gone through. And now that they're back and I go visit them and they come visit me here, I feel like I understand that a lot more. And I'm not saying I can live in both places at once, but I do think like, I, I mean, I think it's like therapeutic for Asian Americans or Im- immigrants or whatever to like kind of think about both worlds instead of try to only focus on one. Um, but, you know, that's just my perspective. Like I, I, I do think a lot of my friends... Do you think no. those are the film saying that? I, I don't think that the film, I think the film is saying like, we're, you know, we're chinks in America. Let's fucking deal with it. You know, but the that's what, that's what I'm saying. Show. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's, that doesn't make, that doesn't leave me happy. That didn't make me happy. I was happier when I was like, <laughs> Oh really? I enjoy that. Yeah, I think sure. it's fine. Yeah. I mean, I think we're different obviously, but right. like, I, I don't know. I just, I find I, this like, I don't know. I, I just, I get, I, I understand that, 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 and I felt it too that the experience of traveling to Asia as an Asian American and sort of trying to live amongst Asians is um, is powerful, right? Like you do feel a sense of like a ethnic belonging that you do not feel ever here in the United States, no matter where you go. This is true, but um, at the same time, you know, like I don't know, we're here. There are a lot of people who are our people here who. Do not have the opportunity to just travel to Asia and sure, right. imagine another life. A luxury and, class. You know, our luxury class. job here is to make here as good as possible for us, you know, um, in some ways and to, you know, do the best that we can. And, you know, like that's that's the sort of lot that our parents put us in. Right. And like it's not the worst lot, you know. The three of us, for example, are very successful. I think I America. think the yeah. I think the metaphor for what this happened or not metaphor, like the the if you combine like the Jobu Tabaki storyline with Joy's real life, it's something like she is caught between these two worlds and it's driving her crazy, right? Like she lives in the United States, but she has to abide by the laws of her mom and her grandparents. The homophobia is like the meta is like the kind of symbol of all that. Um and you could read the ending as saying like, stop thinking about that other world, just focus on this world. Right. And mm. 
I and and and, Michelle Yeo. Yeah, Michelle Yeo, and they, you know, and and there's this like great happy moment where they actually tell James Hong that she is the Becky is the actual girlfriend and so on. Um, And I guess what I'm saying is like that's one direction, but the other direction would be like, you know, showing showing that other side, um, which is what I think the film does, exploring that other side of like Michelle Yeoh as a full character or James Hong as a full character. in a in a more in a fuller picture, right? Okay, Tammy, anyway. let's get back to you here. You know, as the as a resident hater of the <laughs> of the film, what else bothered you? Let's go down the list. I, I want to give you the correct, well, uh, like the let's go to this. Let's go to a functional thing. You wish like the when I when when you texted us about it, I hadn't seen it. And Andy hadn't seen it, mm-hmm. and you were like, yeah. And I was like, oh no, because I do trust your film sensibilities you know <laughs> like I, I like you're one Not of like five, well yeah no it's over because i was gonna say you're about five you're one of five people that i thought was like uh on the list of people who I would trust. And now the list is down. Well, not really, because I would be, <laughs> like, it was like four and a half, you know, because like the other half, I'd be like, I don't know, like Tammy is just going to make me watch communist propaganda <laughs> and say, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, watch so this four, obscure feminist Polish film from 1972. Yeah, yeah you're be like, listen, I feel inspired, but like, I don't know why I watched that. But um, four and a half. So let's say now it's down to four. The half is gone. But like you're, you're, your take was that there wasn't enough kung fu in the film, right? <laughs> okay, so explain that. Oh, like, okay. what did you so want? Because that, like, that's yeah. actually like an interesting pick. Because so, I thought I I had some of those thoughts too, and then they were dispelled like towards the end of the film. Oh, really? I'm curious why. Yeah. So what? I, so in a way, that's like the flip side of my critique, saying that the mother daughter relationship was underdeveloped to a point where like it didn't elicit the right amount of sympathy. But on the other hand, if we're gonna actually accept the metaverse, no. Okay, I like the metaverse setup. I think it's good. I think when, when I say that the mother-daughter relationship was underdeveloped and the the pace of the movie was too frenetic, those are related concerns. Because I think if we lingered in certain of the spaces, we would be able to actually feel more. But right. in the space where Michelle Yeoh can be Michelle Yeoh and we can use all of her incredible talents, I think there should have been more Kung Fu. Because Kung Fu is fun. Yeah, yeah. Okay, look, I have a, I'm a kung fu basically, uh, film. I'm like as close to as uh, a hardliner in terms of kung fu films as there can be, right? Like, I think that they all should have the same plot. <laughs> you know, that, 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 that basically the point is to not get the plot in the way of whatever iteration of the fighting scenes that they're yeah. trying to do. So, for example, right, like uh, one of my favorite kung fu films is ong bak which is uh tony oh, ja yeah, and he's like a you know he's a thai guy yeah he's like five foot two or something like that and he does like a bunch of elbows and knees you know and ong bak <laughs> there's been like 30 ong baks and i will say like as you go down the list like they become weirder and weirder and less and less watchable oh, yeah. but like the original one. ong bak was basically a film that was set up so that uh, that tony ja could fight like people of six different fighting styles and that he could do this amazing, amazing scene where he runs through um, the streets of Bangkok and is just jumping over shit that happens to walk in his way, right? Like at some point, some people are like, are carrying like a a basket that like, you know, on like a stick and the basket has no bottom to it for reasons that of course do not need to be explained, right? And Tony Jaa just like jumps through the basket and it's fucking awesome, you know? And it's just like, okay, we don't need to we don't need to bother with 
with setting anything right. up. We just need fighting, you know? And so like Ang Bak is great in that sort of way. Drunken Master 1 and 2 are great in that sort of way where it's like, okay, yeah, there was this drunken style and now Tech Chan is just going to do it and fight people. And the entire joke of the film is that every 20 minutes or every 30 minutes or so, you're going to have this scene where um, people are going to throw liquor bottles at Jackie Chan. He's going to catch them and drink them, you know, and then he's going to beat everybody up, right? Like, like there is like a satisfaction towards it that needs to be carefully curated and that there are people who are masters of it right and that the beautiful thing is that much like um any sort of standard type of thing is that you can build all sorts of variations on it right so like stephen chow does his own variations on it in kung fu hustle or god of cookery or any of those god of comedy all those films right um shaolin soccer but they're all the same film right it's kind of like a western it's the same film they're all the same film right are there any that do sci-fi um uh probably not in this way like because this isn't really sci-fi it's not yeah. in the future right but well, like it, it's still sci-fi yeah what else would you call like it? that's like why that's why i'm always like kind of torn on crouching tiger hidden dragon because like i think that crouching tiger hidden dragon is one of like the most impressive films ever made and it's beautiful i love right? that movie but it's kind of like the godfather and goodfellas distinction for me right like where like the godfather is like the beautiful epic right and and goodfellas is the one that i'll watch over and over again. oh really <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> where i'm just like okay i understand that one of these is like an achie- an accomplishment but i just want to watch this one you know right. like i want to watch right. tony pesh or joe pesci like go to his mom's joe, house and that's like, oh, yeah, she painted this you know there's two dogs one's this one's going this way this one's going this way. Uh, you know it's funny you know <laughs> and so um as a formalist right and almost as like a kung fu populist right mm-hmm. um i was very interested in your take on this because uh when you said there wasn't enough kung fu because in my head i was like no because the trailer promises that michelle yo is going to at some point go and turn into right. police story Michelle Yeoh or, mm-hmm. or Crouching Tiger Michelle Yeoh because, you know, they have the scene where, like, she, like, somebody tries to punch her and then she, like, does a thing with her hand, right? a block with her hand. And I, that's when I was when I was watching the trailer. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> did you, did now, you find will, that there was enough? <laughs> I will say that um, I think that the Daniels, more than any other filmmakers were probably aware of people like me Mm because i think that they also have thoughts because they are you right right they're like basically like we can't fuck up the kung fu in this at all or we're Mm. fucked you know Mm -hmm. and i will say that i think they did it i think that i think that there was just enough and it was just creative enough for it to be to sort for it to pass muster now was it the central part of this film right in a way that would have you know, completely satisfied Kung Fu people like myself. No, it wasn't. But I don't think it could have been because, you know, then you have a totally different film and all the multiverse stuff doesn't really work as well. But I do understand from a Kung Fu formalist perspective why some people would feel cheated, right? They're like, well, instead of this sort of Ratatouille multiverse, which in the end was like, I don't know, of all of them, I thought that was the weakest, right? Why not just do more Kung Fu? But then I talked to other people who, like Andy, thought that the film dragged in all the Kung Fu parts, you know? And then I was like, well, then if that's true, that should never happen, 
right? Yeah. Even for people who don't like kung fu movies. Was, like I think maybe it was too much slow mo. That's what you thought was. Oh, that's the part you thought was dragging. That's it was like on this. They're on the stairs. I thought it was just... this other scene. I was like, yeah, yeah. If it was less in slow motion, maybe it'd be better. You know? uh-huh. who, who said the same thing yesterday? Did I, was I talking to you? Am I, ta- uh, am I quoting you to agree with someone, you? Someone I trust said that. <laughs> who, who someone really that? smart. I oh, my cousin said Andy. that. Yeah, yeah. Someone tall and handsome <laughs> who I trust said that. No, I think it was my cousin. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it was my cousin. Not the, yeah, my cousin. The filmmaker? No, his his oh. wife, who's my actual. I just I just thought, yeah, oh, I was like, I don't know what what universe we're jumping through at this point. I lost track of all that because they're all the same actor. Like, it's the body. Right. This different spirit is inside the different the same mm. body. You know, what world are we in? Um, so when you guys came out so strong, loving this movie, I was also wondering if if you felt it as parents. Oh, nah, no, no, more as kids. No, you know, more as, as kids, yeah, okay. Yeah. I think we're all joy. Me and Andy's kids are sure. going to have very different lives. And, no, I like, know they're that, not but still, feel I wondered if there was something about the daughter relationship. Yeah, I mean, I did. I did. There's a, there's, a, there's a tinge of that. You know? Oh, man. I went to, I'll tell you the story. I went to this uh, Berkeley, fundra- Berkeley Library fundraiser uh, mm. over the weekend, you know, it was at, at this wow, very fancy hotel. And I was like one of 20 featured authors there. Oh. And like, so the thing that they do is they like sort of introduce you to the, to the, to the donors. donors. You know? oh, God. So somebody stands next to you and sort of talks about you and you just have to stand there. And it was totally painless <laughs> and it was fun. I had a great time. I met like the editor of, uh, I sat next to the editor of Berkeley side, who was, I totally oh, cool. loved, you know, like That's a great. very yeah. old school, like shit stirring journalist type, you know? Um, anyway. They, the way they described the book was like so funny to me because it was just like they were basically being like, you know, Asian America doesn't exist. And I was looking around, there are all these like rich Asian people. <laughs> Here we go again. And then they talked about how like, you know, in Berkeley, like, uh, you know, part of the book is about how in Berkeley, like my kid goes to like ballet class and all the kids are half Asian, you know, and all of my neurosis yeah. about like whether how she's going to be like racialized in this setting. And it was fucking hysterical because I was like, I was like, this is. These are the people, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? um, so no, I did feel it for my kid. I felt it as a second generation. Yeah, yeah. All right, I don't know. I mean, I was born in Korea, so I felt it as like a first generation, I guess, or one point five gen, whatever. Yeah. But um, but, but um, okay. Go. I want to say one last thing about the kung fu thing, Tammy, which is that I agree with you about the slow motion. There's too much slow mo, and there's not enough variety of fighting. That was. Oh, problem, I think that's Mark right? Andy's argument. Is that what oh. your point was? Yeah, Andy? I don't, I don't know what. Bored? No, but I yeah, think yeah, that's yeah. the, the core of the dissatisfaction bored. of your but not that's enough. That's why the. Kind of, I didn't know what the yeah. fighting styles yeah, yeah, yeah. even were. I guess because like the fanny pack was its own style, but right, and that the fanny pack was not great. I, I will so. say, yeah, but he's not a martial like, artist. He had to learn all that, like as a choreographer. You know, I know, but you know what, like. <laughs> that's the challenge. You know, like that's not an excuse. That's the challenge. Like when you have, like when you have, basically Stephen Chow, right who is doing thing? who is, who had done things with like finding creative ways to do Kung Fu, right? Mm-hmm. All of his movies are just a new creative way to do Kung Fu. That's what God of Cookery is. That's what Shaolin Soccer is, right? Mm-hmm. To some extent, that's what, I mean, Kung Fu Hustle is a little more traditional, except in that the characters are so funny, you mm-hmm. know, like the way that they're like, uh, they have different skills based on their character is like amazing, yeah. right? And to have it just be like this fanny pack, not the best choice. Like it was a little bit, 
it was like a lit you got to try a little harder than that you yeah. know like fanny pack come on you know like got to be better than fanny what pack, about right? the hot hot dog hands i like the hot dog hands because it was like funny but um, i thought it was funny yeah. um the rock scene i actually funny. i don't know how i felt about the rock scene it was it was more just like i can't believe they're doing this i know that's <laughs> right how I, oh, I love too. the rocks yeah, yeah i felt very it kind of went on a while i have to say yeah yeah, maybe like they could have trimmed it down ten mm-hmm. seconds, but like or or by ten percent. But the the um, but like I I don't know. I like the movie so much that I don't want to like say things like that. Okay. But the kung fu parts, Tammy, I will say the two things I agree with you are a Michelle Yeoh. They could have used more in the kung fu scenes. Uh-huh. You know, and you think about think about what she does in Police Story. Think about what she does in in um, Crashing, Crashing Tiger, Tiger, which is the one that everyone will have seen. You know. Like it's that scene that she does with uh, I'm blanking on the name, the other actress, um, Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh no, no, Crushing no Tiger, Crushing Tiger. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Where they're like in the weapons room, and they all take different weapons, and you know she has like the the green, the jade, whatever it's called, right? The super sword, and Michelle Yeoh is just grabbing every single weapon she can find. It's incredible. It's like one of the greatest movies and or one of the greatest scenes in filmmaking history, right? And then, like, they didn't quite use her enough, I don't think, to in hammer film, home right? the yeah. fact that this is Michelle Yeoh, exactly, right? And like that, That's those are thing. my two kung fu specific yeah. critiques. And I'll stop rambling about it now. Okay, Tammy. Well, fair. do you guys feel that you, on the point of underutilization, I thought the dad definitely underutilized like to the point of him being resurrected from this career that's great but then actually use him and this is the same issue that was in turning red where the asian dad is like a non-character it's so strange i don't this is not it's it is weird i thought he was i mean what what i thought he was good the the scene where i just remember there was a scene where he was like they're eating a bagel you know with cream cheese and then he's like all right i'm gonna pretend we're all freaked out we're gonna try to fit in and he does this like really quick character turn, like, oh my God, what's going on? I thought that was really <laughs> funny. Mm. And I was like, oh, this guy must be a great comedic actor back in Asia yeah. before I knew who he was. Um, oh, back in Asia. <laughs> like, I thought he was like uh, Ronald R- Ronnie Chang or something, like, like some sort of like Singaporean yeah, yeah. comedian or I something. Um, Isn't Ronnie Chang American? Yeah, but he's from. He's, isn't he Singaporean? Yeah. He's definitely not born here, though. Yeah. But all his comedies about America. I mean, do you hear his accent? <laughs> He's yeah, not American. He's, he's no, I know he has an accent. Yeah, but, yeah. His, but I mean, he yeah, he lives here now. I know, no, but I'm he saying he like. Jokes about I think he started his career back in Malaysia. Public housing, yeah, right, right. like that, right? Yeah. Um, so I don't. I didn't, I didn't think it was like super underutilized. <laughs> because... Six minutes about Kading, and then we do six minutes about public housing. <laughs> 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 um, are you, are you, Tammy? Are you saying it kind of reinforced stereotypes of the uh, emasculated Asian male, or? No, Tammy's no, not saying that. Yeah, Jay's like Tammy doesn't care about that. Um, <laughs> I <laughs> no, I just, I just think it's nice when I just think characters should be balanced out, and he he was an important character, right. and he but he kind of became more of a sort of like robotic prop type thing because he was essentially wielding the, me- right. the mechanisms right. of the multiverse right. without us actually knowing anything about him. And think- it seemed also because Michelle Yeoh's as a mother and wife character is so strong. And then he was just sort of like this tossed off dude. Yeah. So 
that was my it thing. came off to me as like i said like even though he's like speaking with an accent he speaks mandarin throughout by the end i was like this must be an asian american actor just there's something about the way his character was written or was acting as opposed to michelle Yeoh, who is very plausible as an immigrant right who is like from a different yeah. country but speaking english in the united mm. states yeah, um, I think the, maybe it's just because it's written as fair. having like, all these like internal emotions about marriage which like I don't, I don't think a lot of immigrants have you know he was angelic in a very basic way but i don't know tammy i you know i think that like in that in some ways it was okay for that to happen right because i think that his role in the film was mostly as you said um functional right? Mm -hmm. Like he was like the key to get from one place to the other. And so within those scenes where he's bouncing back and he's like explaining what the multiverses are, it's hard to, it's hard to do much character development because he has to do those things. And yet I thought that the moments when he was playing like a caring father, he was so good in that, in those Mm. scenes that like, I was not really that yeah worried about it like i just and i also just think that it's okay like you know i know i know family asian families like that where the father where the relationship of the daughter to the father as opposed to the overbearing mother does sort of render the father in this angelic way the father is kind of passive and because he's not um, as around as engaged and stuff well no i mean i think that i mean i'm thinking specific about families where the father is engaged but it's just like yeah oh it's just like kind Good of cop, like bad cop. Yeah. This but also the, like, can we just get a long type right. of person? Gotcha. Like I, I know a couple families like that and I, and so maybe that's why I didn't resist it so much. Mm. But for me, it was, you know, like I felt like the, I was more moved by the meta aspect of it. Right. Which was, and I felt that, like that sort yeah. of filled it out. Right. Right. Where it's like, okay, here he is again. You know, I mean, I don't, I've seen Goonies and, Indiana Jones like 30 times each, you know? Wow. So like data and short round are a huge part of my childhood, right? And to see him again after all these years was like extremely emotionally mm. affecting. And to see him in this specific nice. role, right? Like yeah. as being here he is as a failure, you know? I think that was like intentional i don't even care if it's intentional i think you know it's my world you know in my head watching this movie that matters to me to me it was like it filled him out in a way where i didn't really care if he had sort of gone through the litany of things that one does to fill out a character you know like it was enough just to see him on screen Mm -hmm. which is what's important sometimes you know it's just like okay how does this person function on the screen emotionally to you yeah if um yeah but i don't know but i understand that if you haven't watched goonies 500 times then you know i haven't but maybe for the yeah they could have used like slick shoes from his childhood (laughs) (laughs) i think i was waiting for that but you know why they probably didn't do it i don't like i don't know this it's probably hard to just flash a a shot of of goonies right without because the crazy rotation footage isn't owned by a studio it's just like yeah, it's at a, I mean, yeah. that was owned by like a photographer right, or something right, right, like right. that. Yeah, but like sort of throwing in like a scene, yeah. <laughs> a frame of Goonies in there might have been really That would have been really I, I do think, I think Tammy made this point earlier. Um, it's only implied, but maybe more on like how how Joy was actually parented would be, would have been useful to kind of connect the dots. Like we don't really have a sense because there's a one cryptic line about how Joy was pushed too hard. Uh, like well, like in the universe, yeah. she becomes Jobu Tabaki or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that's supposed to be a metaphor for like tiger parenting and in real life, but we don't see any of that. That would have been more, that could have also, you know, 
I, I guess it has to be sacrificed and just implied, but I think that would have, that was implied, but um, it would have been, it would have been good to see that. Um, so I saw a quote from the actress, Stephanie Hsu. She said like this film is, it, it, it goes beyond identity politics was what she said. Um, and I guess the question is, you know, like. Is she, is she a listener to this podcast? She, well, she's like 30 something. Of course she knows what identity politics is. I guess I guess the question is like yeah like to what extent is this an Asian American film or like how would you characterize this like she's 30 years old yeah she's from Torrance oh she's 32 years old yeah so she's like you know she's like our generation yeah um I don't know I was thinking about this like because I I think the film is obviously getting to this like meta universal level about and like Asian Americans aren't the only ones that go through this shit you know um of like what well, what could my life have been? Any person could, you know, our neighbors who've never left Pennsylvania could have also thought about what if I had moved to California or you know something like that. So um, I don't. Do you, do you feel like this in your, in the end? Did you feel like this film was speaking to a sort of Asian American specific story, or did you feel like you know, like all audiences will appreciate this and? It doesn't really matter, like, the, oh, yeah. the uniqueness of the characters. Can we go first? Yeah. I think both. And I think this is this was similar to what we were talking about with Turning Red, where there was a little bit of a kerfuffle around, is this an Asian American thing? Or, you know, or should it be broadened? And how are people supposed to understand it? Is the context actually in its particularity limiting and its universality, blah, blah, blah. Um, so kind of the normal thing that you would talk about. I, I think both. I think it, it felt very strongly diasporic and contextualized yeah. to me. But I think, I, I don't know, like where I saw it, it was a very, it was like every kind of person was in the theater and people were very into it regardless of who they were. Because yeah. I think it's, you know, just about, the, yeah. yeah, like also what I was saying earlier about like this overwhelming sense of choice in our society about the friction between parents and kids. So that stuff is just normal. Right. Well, it's also just cool. Like, I think that's like in the right. end what yeah. most yeah. people respond to. I think it's cool. Like, right. I watched it with my producer because we were down in Irvine to do this movie that we were ta- making. And, um, you know, she's not an Asian American person. And we watched it, and she, but she has a lot mm-hmm. of experience in filmmaking. And afterwards, she was like, I can't believe that they made that movie. Yeah. You that's know? how I like, felt. It's too. so yeah. impressive what they did. And then you just think about it and you're like, okay, everything from storyboarding to like Shirley Karata, I guess, did all the, um, you know, costumes. Like, think about like the costumes, yeah. you know, and like it was just so impressive. And yeah. I think that that in the end is what most people have responded to is right. the impressiveness of it. And I will say that when I was watching it, I was more, I was thinking more of that, right? Mm-hmm. right. I was just like, holy shit, this is impressive. Yeah. But I and think only- that's what gets in the way sometimes. Right, because and I'm a, this sort of but, like, oh wow, we could do that, and we did that, and you know. Right, yeah. but much like much like my kung fu takes, I am a bit of a formalist <laughs> here. <laughs> it's just like, like okay, I am like from an Asian American perspective. The thing I was happiest about was that like this dude made like this film that is like so ambitious, right? With his partner, obviously, who's not Asian, but they made this film that's so ambitious and crazy, and like out of the box that yeah. I think it really will push Asian American specifically filmmaking yeah. into different spaces because we were in this moment where us chinks in America, we're just getting crushed <laughs> by actual 
you know, by the chicks, you know, like by like <laughs> Korea and by like, like, uh, like we're like, we're oh, like, and movie making. Make, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, like how yeah. are we going to make Parasite, man? Like, you know, like, we're just making, I know. Yeah, we're I making like... a movie about like, uh, I, I want to make no, a movie that's what about I was saying. like, you know, feeling not in place in America and they're, they're making Parasite, you know, right. but like, that's why this movie was like so exciting to me because yeah. it was just like, all right, we like, we can do this, you yeah. know, like, like he, he, like these two made this film that I don't think any Asian American person is going to be like, this is a sellout film for white people. Like there's no, no way, way to come yeah. away with that. But Tammy, did you feel that way? Mm-mm. Okay. Yeah. 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 It didn't seem like you did. Right. Like there's no, like, th- this is not like, Hey, we're explaining Asian American no. people to white people. I don't, th- I right. don't think anyone felt that way. Not at all. Yeah. And to have it be formally so interesting, you know, and you can say, Oh, it's just a big Hollywood blockbuster, but that's the important part of it. Right. They were able to make something interesting within the frame of like a big effects yeah. Hollywood blockbuster film. And I don't know. I think it was cool that everybody liked it. Yeah. You know, I, and I think people genuinely liked it as opposed to crazy rich Asians. Right? Which <laughs> kind of felt yeah. No, and it happened. hasn't, it hasn't. This is my, this is my obligatory time to, t- to remind the listenership. I still have not watched yet. crazy rich Asians. <laughs> I don't this, even know. This like, doesn't feel like a Hollywood blockbuster to yeah. me. Like Crazy Rich Asians feels like a Hollywood this blockbuster. Was made really? with, this, like, this was like a cra- this was one, right? This like, was I made mean, with $30 it was million. It a studio dollars. movie, but it felt more like an indie movie that was trying to push, but it had yeah. like elements of that. You know what I mean? Because it didn't. Everything I've been reading, like the whole everything I've read is that they did this quote unquote on the cheap and that they had to use a lot of yeah. quote unquote practical effects rather than special effects. Um that they had $30 million, which I guess is not a lot to make a film like yeah, this. It's not that much. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it makes it more impressive. You yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. Like, That's the thing. And um, it's, and like the fact that, you know, like, I, I don't know. I was like, when you read, when, when you read like movie reviews that say like a movie is daring and you don't, you don't know what that is, but I kind of felt like this was daring in the sense that. Yeah. Those rock scenes, the hot dog scenes. Oh, I, can, yeah. I can't believe they yeah. fucking made Michelle Yeoh, you know, and Jamie Lee Curtis dance with hot dog hands and, I yeah, and like basically have hot dog hand sex on screen. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I was like, um, that takes a lot of guts. I might have had this like funny thought in like 3 a.m. when I'm stoned or something, but to actually like follow through with it and put that well, out there for the so world to you're see. You're proving my point. Yeah, I, I, yes, it is, you know? Derek. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, exactly. No, I, your bro, it your is bro, bro comment is basically like you are resistant to a world in which like these sort of like uh, in emboldened men get to just like act out their stoner thoughts on on screen and everyone the goes, world oh my we God. live in yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes like, that is true <laughs> the hot dog hand scene the problem is not the actual content of it it is the well, fact that the patriarchy allowed it to happen <laughs> that like women would not be able to get away that a woman would not be able to get away with such an inventive scene and I don't know. I don't. Did, I'm, not, would, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with that. Different. I think it was right. also just the aesthetics of it. Like some of it was like I liked the hot dog hands, but then you also can't have like the um what I can't remember her name Tabuki or whatever in in an, yeah. yeah in another phallic outfit like that. It was more of just like okay, so certain of the design elements started to get too kind of they were just kind of doing the same thing that was like, yeah very the, the, the the ratatouille but, you know part was yeah. I, th- I thought Rekha was funny I mean they oh, might have dragged they, on for too long but. I thought they I thought they did it a little bit too much and I was I don't know I thought that was but but whatever I, I like I said I don't want to complain about this film yeah, I, yeah. it was like the best I'm glad you guys liked it it's one of the best it's <laughs> the best movie you. I think I've seen this year for sure is it the second best Asian American film ever made 
I don't know. I mean, I like I don't want to rank things that way. I just think yeah, that Chan is I'm missing is such a singular <laughs> accomplishment that you know, but did it challenge Chan is missing? Not really, but no, like I don't know. I don't that's so think weird that to even compare like those films, though. That's right, that's what I mean. It's like an unfair comparison. Like, like one yeah. is like some dude basically just like asking four people into Chinatown to make a movie with them, yeah, and the other exactly. one is like a huge production, thirty million dollar movie. Right. Um, yeah. But still, you know, like I'm always gonna sort of default towards whatever. Yeah like cinema verite type of like stuff you know i mean um, yeah i think but, this, oh, sorry it's all fine i don't know i liked it a, a ton and i think it's a i don't know i do think it's a huge deal for us and i do think it'll change <laughs> the way us. that yeah. uh don't you think it'll change the way that asian american people will go about making things like i think it blew the roof off of stuff which That'd is be great. like yeah, it's like no longer we don't have to be like these quiet dignity. Well, I think we've always been making it, but it's whether or not the studios will accept it. Yeah, so yeah, I that's think, what I mean. Right, right, right so that's right. what this will open up. Right, no, that so, Jay, is. Jay, you can now is... feel liberated to make your weird ass but Jay, movie. That's what they said about Crazy Rich Asians. Like, oh, we're no, no, we're no longer. Well, maybe quiet Crazy Rich Asians submissive. did clear the space well, for this movie to be way. made. I mean, in a lot of ways, this film is like has a lot of inside jokes about Crazy Rich Asians, right? Like it's filmed right on the cusp, on the heels of Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, right. Kehoe has said Crazy Rich Asians inspired him to get back into right, acting. Right, no, right. No, no, no. And yeah. I don't, I think that, I look, I, I haven't seen the movie, or will I? <laughs> it's not going to be think, anything you don't expect. <laughs> I think to make the argument that, um, that this movie is more, was made possible by Crazy Rich Asians, I don't have any problem with that argument. It seems right to me, yeah. right? Doesn't that seem yeah. doesn't that seem right to you? The big Hollywood blockbuster that um, that made a ton of money probably did embolden A twenty four to be able to put across thirty million dollars when these two very 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 inventive and and honestly like extremely sought after filmmakers um, decided okay. to make this film. Yeah, yeah. I think like I think that they're like in that category of filmmaker where basically everyone was waiting for them to make their big hit. You know? Oh, really? Okay. Um, I didn't know yeah, because like it wasn't it wasn't Swiss Army Man, but like that thing started to show what they could do. Yeah. And then you have like this. Yeah. No, I'm excited. I'm going to start making crazy weird films. Too. Yeah, do it. Yeah. I thought yeah. I thought that was you know, that's that was another thing that struck me was like this was very unique and. It felt unique and singular within the line of Asian American films. Like it, it both, I think, is within that, but also explodes it. In a, right, and right. it's like you can't say is this for white audiences or Asian audiences, right? As right. either or, um, right. which you know is is not the case with most of these films. Well, like and maybe I like my that. maybe is maybe another one I would throw in there. No, <laughs> I did not. Which one's that? I haven't seen that. Or is, is, that, that, Jenny it Han? is that Randall Jenny Park, Park and um? Yeah, the Randall Park and Ellie Wong with Keanu Reeves. I thought that was very cringy, to be honest. But really, was that good? I, I thought it was it. a perfectly good rom com. Okay. Totally in its thing, and anyway, but I'm just raising that because I think that was another high profile one that did well and was watched by lots of different people. And okay, I have two more questions here, and then we got to go. The first yeah, question we're talking is: about this longer than the do you uh, do you think that this was uh? Do you think this is sort of the end of representation, no. uh, era of representation conversations within Asian American circles? I feel like there's a way in which this exploded some of those questions, right? right? Like where it's not an Asian American film, I don't think. 
I don't think it's marketed as an Asian American film. It's not. I think yeah. we talk about it as that because Michelle Yeoh is Asian. Everyone else is talking about it as like. Well, I don't think the Michelle no, Yeoh but, or not being Asian American but it's her film. matters. Right. It seems right, as Michelle Yeoh. No, film. I think it's seen as a crazy ass Matrix like film, right? Yeah. And that's how it's marketed. Um, and that people seem to not have any problem with the fact because this movie has been wildly successful, right? Um, people do not really seem to have a problem with the fact that these this is an Asian family, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're just willing to go with it, right? And mm-hmm. they don't really, they probably, a lot of them don't think too much about it at all, right? They're just like, whoa, that was a fucking sweet ass mind trip of a movie, right. right? Which I think that if you ask the Daniels, that's probably was super important for them because otherwise it's a bad movie, right. you know, with yeah, interesting definitely. ideas in it, you know? So I don't know. I feel like this is kind of a, this did sort of signal an end to like sort of pure representation type of conversations. I mean, I think the mm. film itself is does that right, but I don't think that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean it's the end of these conversations. And the way the film gets talked about, even by the actors, right, like is still very much about representation. About like, is it? if you read yeah. like interviews with Kei Hui Kwan, he's very much about this is for us. This is for, and I admit to being moved by hearing him talk about that and how we can mm. you know act for twenty years and so on. Right. Um, I, I I think the more likely scenario is that this film was an outlier, and that it's. Oh, I don't think so. Um, and it's, uh, uh, I'm not saying that things won't change in general, but I don't think we'll get films like this. You know, I think. I mean, it's certainly a stylistic outlier. Like, yeah, yeah I mean, no one else can do this, you know? Beyond but that. not that many people make this type of movie, right? Yeah. But still, I think that the idea that we'll go back to kind of like the smelly lunchbox type of trope and dig into the There's stuff. plenty of that stuff. Well, out I, mean, there. I don't think okay, that's true we... at all. There's not that many. Tammy, you're of blocking your microphone of... with your hand. There's not that many kinds of those movies made anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's been yeah. true. So sure. I think this I we're moving along on a trajectory. So maybe, yeah, this is another. But you know, I think some aspect of this conversation will will is attached to any sort of movie where yeah. it's so particular. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But that's fine. That's I think I think that's I think also it's fine. fine. My guess yeah. is Daniel Kwan himself has different sensibilities, and that's why the film was made this way. But I think a lot of people a lot of Asian American like creative people will still kind of tend towards the sort of old more old fashioned identity stuff. I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I just think it's, uh, I think that basically the youngs, the youngs who are going to be making these films, I'm old, you know, so, but I mean, that's optimistic. 25 year olds or something, they're not going to be making like boring immigrant dignity stuff at all. Cause they just have a very different relationship with identity. I think. And they've been educated about it differently. And I, I just can't imagine that they would sort of make this kind of like, oh, I'm a person too type of stuff, you know? And I think that it's good that films like this exist because I think they change the expectation for where you can, how you can explore the same ideas in yeah. different ways. Just like in literature, that was true, right, Tammy? Like, I mean, think about all the way, oh, I don't know, literature's a little behind right now, I would say. But, um, <laughs> I think it's very. I think it's really varied. I think we're seeing right. a lot of. It's very hard to say what Asian American literature is right now, and I think that's good. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's going to be some of those books that you don't like, but you know, I, there's also a lot of stuff that's out right. There's Ted Chiang, really for genres. Yeah. Yeah. And genre yeah. books exactly like that. So um, maybe Ted Chiang might be like the best corollary to this, right? Like where it's like a universally loved type of science fiction that's super trippy, and. Um, is 
somehow like yeah. breaking out of like a type of convention and story. Definitely not my book. You know, my book is like <laughs> whatever. We can talk about it later. But the uh, last question about this film: <laughs> Do we have a new star in Stephanie's shoe? shoe? I thought that. I will say of I thought that like she was really the scene stealer in this movie. I don't think this is an original thought that nobody else has had, but like everyone's sort of going on and on about Michelle Yeoh. I thought Michelle Yeoh was wonderful and I thought you need someone of her gravity and of her stardom to hold the film together. I'm very much like a conventional you need movie stars to make movies type of person. Like I don't think like, oh well anyone mm-hmm. can do this and you know, we should all be casting new people all the time. Like, I don't know. Like for a movie like Chain is missing, yes, but not for a movie like this. How do you, you know, get you it kinda, made? Yeah. You kinda need a movie star to like be like to exist in two spaces at once, right? Like you need Tom Cruise to be in Mission Impossible or else it's a worse movie. Um but <laughs> I thought that in terms of like Stephanie Shu, I thought that she was incredible, you know, and she was so like SoCal Asian, <laughs> like, you know, yeah, like, in a way, like unbothered in a yeah. way and cool in a way. Um, and like not neurotic. I mean, obviously in the film, like the film is a lot about her like neurosis, but like the way that she played the character was so remind me so much of like, you know, my cousins and stuff who are just like they're not like who grew up in koreatown right? you mean the main storyline version of joy like the right right just like you know somebody who's dealing Morose, with stuff but is like yeah. not gonna apologize about herself all the time yeah you know? um and i thought that that was cool and i thought she was great and yeah. i do i do hope she's like the new star for a variety of reasons that'd be cool you know um i went to like the uh to the hand, bands off our body march in Los Angeles, Tammy, mm. and the speakers were Eric Garcetti and Constance Wu. Oh God! Okay, <laughs> you should see wow. Tammy's face right now. That is something. <laughs> now we had to leave after about thirty <laughs> minutes because Frankie was like having like a you know five year old moment and it was super hot. But but I did stay around. But you were probably Constance happy. Like, I, yeah, I did stay around. With, I did stay around with Constance Wu. <laughs> right, but um. I don't know. I think that we need somebody like this, right? Who's like, um, now she's like 32 or something like that, but we just need someone who's like kind of cool in the same way that I think we kind of needed Eddie Wong in a way, right? Like, you know, as problematic or whatever you can say about it, but like kind of need somebody who's like very representative of a certain type of diaspora in some way, but also is like great at acting yeah, and can kind of occupy a, a natural, a more natural, type of role in the way that I think Aquafina did in The Farewell, right? Um, where it's just like, okay, like this is a normal person right. who I don't have to like think too much about, but who is going to bring yeah. me a character as opposed to like a set of expectations about who this person is representation-wise. And I thought that was great. I, I mean, thought she yeah. was great. I have nothing bad to say. You were great, Stephanie, if you listened to I thought show. I was yeah. really impressed with when she was doing the other scenes, like not right. the main one, right? And then it comes back, I guess, because you realize how versatile she is, right? right? But when she was playing like the evil boss or an all that was like, and and I forget the lines, but like very expressive lines, not just like morose right. stuff. It was like, Definitely. oh, she's like, she has a lot of range. Really, con- yeah, good control over her body and her face. Right. They they That's found her. I guess they worked with her. <laughs> they worked with her on uh, Aquafina's show, Nora from Queens, because I think the Daniels. 
directed an episode of her that she was in. Okay. Is it good? Um, And they thought she was great, so they cast her in this. Yeah. She was apparently in The Marvelous Ms. Maisel, which I watched like one episode of. She is, but that's such a small role. It's a small role. Is that a good show? I like it. Yeah. It, It got, it started getting bad. But the Chinatown casino stuff that you're referencing, she's, she's, it's nice yeah. to see her in that, but it was. I like uh, Rachel Brosnahan a lot. I think she's good, but uh, I don't know. Okay, we've talked enough about this movie. <laughs> I did not, we didn't have the conflict that I wanted. Tammy. Did we convince really? you, Tammy? It's actually a good How movie. How much more violent should we be about? Um, no, of course you didn't Tammy's still unconvinced. All right. So to recap, if you fast forwarded to the end to skip all the spoilers, I will say that there's not many spoilers. There's a lot of talk about, you know, other things. But Tammy, you said um, too chaotic, kind of male, and uh, you don't see what the big deal is about everything, but also that you're like kind of like in the middle kind of bored you and the kung fu was not great. Right. Yeah, the middle thing was Andy, but I think that for me, the fundamental thing is like the underdeveloped daughter-mother bond. Right, okay, great. I like. it. you know, it. I'm happy that you guys liked it. Right. You know. I, I'm happy I liked, for you. It's the most condescending thing I ever. Want you, I know it was. I want you, I guys want you to, to be see, happy. I want you guys to see both seasons of Russian Doll, because I think it'd be really interesting to compare those what's going on there. Cause it's also a mother daughter thing in a very specific cultural context with metaverse. Okay. I'll may I'll try it. Anyway, I'd, I'd, Natasha Leone is great. The only show I watch is the, uh, David Simon show right now, which, which I like one? a lot. The one about the Baltimore gun trace task force. Oh gosh. I, okay. Oh, is Beyond it the, the I've, city? I've heard there's a show that's kind of like a sequel to the wire. Is that this? Well, it's not. Yeah. I mean, it, I it's shot it. and it feels exactly like the wire, okay. you know, what's it called? We own the city. Right. Yeah. But, um, John Bernhardt, who's plays like the head crooked cop in this. I don't know. Who he that is. is awesome. Okay. I'll watch it. I'll <laughs> yeah, watch it. I'll pretty so much watch good. anything. David he's Simon so much. Makes, he's so. like, it's like you kind of understand oh, why McNulty was not the best casting choice when you watch this, you yeah. know? Because okay. like McNulty was always like a comic, like he was always like, first of all, like he's Australian, but secondly, like, but that, you know, I think he did pretty well as playing English, like, right? yeah. I liked him. Um, but he, there, there's always kind of like a comedy aspect yeah, yeah. to him, you know, that he's I like think did make the show necessarily. Even, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. But like, but this guy like, if you want to talk about, like, a bad cop, you know? Okay. Like, who has, like, the charm of a bad cop and the charisma of a bad cop, but is, like, seething with this type of, like, nervous anger all the time. I mean, he is awesome. <laughs> like, okay. like, he's so good. Um, it's the best cop performance I think I've ever seen on a TV show. Jeez, okay. Just like, holy crap, this guy is doing is it. Awesome so is this show job. funny at all? No, no, it's okay. not like the wire. Yeah. Like, you know, my wire take, you know, not to. The wire's comedy, sort of. Right. My theory with the wire was always that um, that David Simon basically came in and he laid down like the bricks of what the show was and that they had like a series of geniuses on the show who oh, yeah, were I've not given credit, who wrote all the comedy Richard, into it, right? So, yeah. um, you know, I don't know who that might be, right? There are a lot of people who that could have been, but like somebody on that show was really funny right and it was just like look we need 
Herc and Carver to like do this whole thing about like who would you give mm-hmm. a blowjob to, you know? Like, like, and it needs to go on for four episodes and it needs to be really funny, you know? Um, like, but no, this show is not, this show is a little bit more like homicide life on the street in the sense that it's like driving and intense. Right. Okay. But then, like, the only bad part about the show is that they need to explain all this shit in the show. So they have to explain what like a consent decree is, right? Oh God! Uh, too much this, is, this is a real life thing, That's right? A like really basically, hard thing right to do. after Freddie Gray, there was this huge scan on the Baltimore Police Department around the gun trace task force. Gun trace task force it was like this group of cops had been doing everything from like robbing drug dealers to breaking yeah. into people's houses and all this sort of stuff, and that, um, you know, it was all led by this dude Wayne Jenkins, who Bernhard plays. Oh, and damn. so they have to like set the scene so much. They're I like, see. oh, it's Freddie Gray Day, you know? Or like, you know, now, like, here's what the Baltimore mayor, like Stephanie Rawlings Blake, or here's what Marilyn Mosby is doing, right? So there's oh, all this boy. explication that has to be done through a person who's in the federal OCR, right? I see. Right. And that, that part, those parts really are bad. And so I just fast forward through them. Oh, wait, yeah. I wonder, it's interesting to think about the narrative devices that could be deployed to fix some of that. But yeah, I think it's, it's impossible. I've thought it's about really, it. It's really hard to very do. hard to do. I feel like right? you could have like the little bubbles type things like right. you had in the trial of the, the Weathermen show, or you could have like you, the newspaper thing. I don't know. It's not easy, though. It's really so, hard. Okay. Yeah. We're going on two hours yeah. here. All right. Thank you for listening to the show. <laughs> oh God, I'm so sorry, funny. Tammy, that uh, you had to spend your morning in Hungary, you know, um, you know, take time away from the statue of Ronald Reagan to spend two hours doing the show. <laughs> Defending myself. <laughs> Defending yourself. And my aesthetic opinions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you can support, you can listen to us every single week. Um, it is the 23rd of May. Holy crap, it's almost June. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, it's uh, time to say goodbye pod at gmail.com or on Twitter, TTSG pod. Uh, you can, if you'd like to support the show and join our Discord, then you can give $5 at goodbye.substack.com. Okay, sorry, I just got You have to do more work, slackiest. Um, turn off notifications um all right well thanks for listening to the show we'll be back next week bye